such a blessing to be here this morning. And we, as we talk about John chapter 15, this is the discourse of Jesus. And he's in his last moments from John, the gospel, according to John chapter 14 through chapter 17, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's having this kind of last hoorah message, this last conversation. We've been ministering together for some of us a year, some of us upwards to three years doing ministry together, and I'm about to go, and I'm going to give my life on the cross so that you can have true life, and I want to come around this discourse, and I want to explain to you and re-up some things, and maybe you could quickly forget. How many of you quickly forget some things? Am I the only one? Okay, I'm the... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. I don't want to admit it, but I do. I, I asked my wife, I, I am the chief forgetter. And that's why we have a shared Google calendar. And that really helps our marriage. So praise God for that. But I, I forget a lot. And Jesus knew humanity. The truth is humanity forgets a lot. It's interesting how we almost always remember the bad. But it's rare that we could keep the good. Maybe that's our Propensity to sin is why that happens. I'm not sure. But he's rallying his disciples and he's having this conversation with them. And I would love to just do a whole series through this conversation. But we're going to highlight one part. And the reason that he's doing this, he wants them to remember. There's, there's importance in remembering. There's importance in remembering. That's why here after service, at the end of service, we will take communion because we want to remember. We'll sing a familiar song that all of us grew up in church knowing because we want to remember there's something about cementing our faith that's transformed our spirit, renewed us and sealed us by the Holy Spirit. But now it's a renewal of our mind and remembering who Jesus is, what he's done and what he's called us to. And all those are hugely important. It seems like in our day of age, like our day and age, we constantly forget because things are moving so quickly. Am I the only one who, like this week just flew by? Yes, it's because I'm old. I understand college students. Yes, that's part of it. But part of it is just because there's just so much technology, so much flying through that we don't sit on anything very long, do we? We don't sit on any, everything because we want it now. How many want it now? It's like, who has Amazon Prime in here? Okay, that's you. You want it now. Right? We want it now. We want it to arrive now. We don't want to wait on things. It's interesting. For hundreds of years, thousands of years, the church was patient because they didn't combat technology. And this, this goes into our all-in message because I want to tell you the difficulty to go all-in with the competing technology and infringing on everything you are in our society it makes it very difficult. I was in the Philippines this summer for seminary. I'm getting a degree in pastor, the a pastor of theology and mission. So hopefully I become a better pastor. And I was there this summer during our cohort. And I had the opportunity to visit this cathedral right here. St. Augustine or St. Augustine Cathedral built in 1607. It's the oldest cathedral in the Philippines. And what's incredible about these structures, maybe you've had the opportunity to visit St. Paul's or another cathedral. But you look at all the details 
the, the columns, the shaping, the sculpting. There's no manufacturing. There's no industrialization. It's just being put together by hands, crafted for God's glory because they wanted to build a church so that the people of God could come together and worship. And, and this was incredible to go walk through this particular cathedral because you got to see all the architecture and you realize this didn't just take one day. It wasn't get us permit from the city and six months later we arrived. You know, it was, it was years to construct, to assemble. And I just imagine, I just imagine as I was walking through this facility, the amount of hours, the amount of days, months, and years with the attention to detail to put this piece together and the sculptors and what that does when you're constructing something for the glory of God. What it does to your mind saying, today I'm working on the church. Today I'm putting up rocks. As I was walking through this cathedral, and maybe you've done this also, or maybe a museum, you see all these artifacts. You see these elaborate oil paintings. You see these carved crucifixes and angels and different, different emblems. And when I was a kid, that used to freak me out. Anybody does that freak you out? You, I'd walk in this place, and I'd be like, man, this is scary. Like, I don't want to be in there. I'm not going in there. I'd look at all these, like, all these crucifixes of Jesus. I'd be like, there's just so many. This is just so graphic. What am I doing? And I used to get freaked out. Am I the only one who does that? <laughs> like, it just, it, it's just strange. It was strange. So I was reflecting, and the Lord really reminded me about what this art begins to represent for somebody's life. You see, when a painting takes you one year, upwards to three years to complete, all you're thinking about is the image that you're drawing day in and day out. The strokes matching the, the colors, matching all of that so that that image could come about. As you're carving this crucifix out of some teak wood or whatever it is, and you're constantly doing, it reminds you daily of, of who Jesus is and what he's done for you on the cross and the sacrifice that he's done. There's this, there's this daily moment of walking and meditating and being in that place. You see, we've lost a little bit of that, haven't we? See, I, I, can, I can draw something pretty quickly. I just go, hey, chat, GPT, draw me the crucifix. Boom, I got it. All of a sudden, I have digital art out the wazoo. I mean, it's just things happen so quickly. I, I just, I, I don't slow down enough. And I want to tell you, church, if we're going to be all in, it's time to slow down. It's time to slow down. Oh, yeah, but that seems so paradoxical to be all in. I mean, we're, we're, be, we're going to be all in. Like, we're balling out on the court. We're scoring goals. Come on, let the scoreboard just tick up. That's what we're doing. It's like. It's like Red Bull and what's the new drink, babe? Celsius. Yeah, she loves that. And uh, I do too. I do too. I'm sorry. Why do I do that? I don't know. I just forgive me. I just I just drink all these drinks. I get hyped up for worship, and then and then boom, it's over in an hour and five minutes, and then I'm out to the next thing. And if we're gonna be all in, we must slow down. And this is why I'm setting all this up because. Jesus, in this moment, in John chapter 15, was having his disciples slow down before a moment 
that was very graphic and hard. That's going to be challenging. And Jesus says this in this passage. He says, remember. And he re-ups oftentimes the, the greatest commandment to love God and love people. He talks about loving people, the unity that we need oftentimes goes into this. Let's read it. John chapter 15, starting with verse 18 through 27. It says this, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, everybody say remember. The word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, how difficult it is as we look at what's ahead of us. The difficulties that we face in this present situation, God, some of these are self-inflicted difficulties by choice. Some of these are difficulties from persecution of others. And yet, Lord, you make a way when there seems to be no way. And so we're grateful for that. And we love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. And all in life. On all in life, there's three things I want to highlight today. The first thing is, is all in life is a difficult life. An all in life is a difficult life. That's something that I don't want to hear, Pastor. I don't want difficulty. I'm in a recliner that reclines and it's cushioned. No difficulty. But an all in life is difficult. When Jesus is with his disciples, he's seeing persecutions going to happen. It's going to come your way. Just as they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Now, it's interesting because as we look at this, we see this address towards these particular disciples who will almost all of them will give their life in some form of martyrdom. So there is a reality here as Christ was martyred, they too will be martyred. And you say, Pastor, we're in America, freedom of religion. There is no martyrdom. Praise God for that. But how many know difficulty still comes when you follow Christ? Difficulty will still come. Persecution will still come. As much as I love 
technology. I, I love the new iPhone and the iMac and everything else. How many know that it's like more money, more problems, more gadgets, more temptation? There's different things that begin to visit us on the screen. Pornography is so accessible. It can be accessed at any moment, any point. It's invading your house. I remember when we were praying for the church of China when I was in college. Every summer, every day in the summer, we'd wake up and pray at 6 a.m., me and a group of guys. We pray and we pray. And one of those underground apostolic leaders who just got out of prison, said, you know, the persecution's great over here. There's no freedom of religion. People are losing their life. They're being martyred. But it, it, it really pales in comparison. This was his words. Pales in comparison about the persecution that's happening in the United States. Because you guys are being persecuted every day. Every time you go out your house, every time you turn the corner, the amount of pornography, the amount of images, the amount of temptation, all the access, the amount of evil that could just be um, moved into. It's so easy. This was his words. And I was like, no, nah, man, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not dying here. I'm just looking at something. The thing is, is difficulty comes. Difficulty comes when you're all in for Jesus, when you're all in for him. Now, the world knows difficulty. We all know it, right? You have all these famous people all the time who are getting, like, we grew up in cancel culture, you know? It's so difficult because nobody follows them on Instagram anymore, you know? Nobody follows you on social media. You could be on top of your game one Sunday. The next Sunday, you're at the bottom. How many of you already got a fantasy football team, right? And you selected everybody from last year, and yet no one is playing. You're like, man, they were on top of the world. Now they're at the bottom. Difficulty comes all the time, but that was difficulty about a measure of what they do, not who they are. Our difficulty is about who you are, and you can't take that identity away from you. You were, you were chosen by Jesus. You, he came to your boat. He pulled you into the boat just as he said, and as he did that, you became a new creation, altogether something different. And now the difficulty comes, and you can't change it, but the temptation is to change it. You see, when we have a little bit of difficulty, the temptation is like, I'm just going to take off my Jesus shirt right now. Jesus and tacos, I'll leave you at home. And I'm just going to go out and do me. And, and the truth is, is when you do that, what happens? Conviction. Conviction happens. Because you realize you're going against somebody you are. It's not something that you do, but it's who you are. And in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world, in this discourse. In John chapter 16, verse 33, if we were to fast forward, he would say, in this world, you will have trouble. It'll come to you. Trouble's going to happen. Follow Jesus. You're all in. It's going to be tough. Pastor, I don't want tough. And I'm telling you, you preach a message like this, you don't necessarily grow a church because everybody in here is saying, dude, I don't want tough. You're not coming back next week. But the Holy Spirit won't leave you alone. He's constantly coming. I remember going all in. Got saved. I said it actually in first service. I, I was actually five years old when 
Jesus showed up to me. I was kneeling back down in the back of my dad's police car. He was a police officer, and I was kneeling down and looking out the back window. You didn't have to wear seatbelts back then, so don't judge anybody. And I was, I was looking out the window. It was like freedom. And, and as I was, I was just looking up at the sky, and there was that moment that I just knew Jesus was there. I looked up the sky, and Romans 1, the earth declares the existence of God. I, I was five years old looking up at the sky that was so large, and I knew that Jesus was real. I asked him into my heart. I got saved. I told my parents. They made me wait to get water baptized because they didn't know if, if how true it was. You know, like, what does this five-year-old know? I was seven when I got water baptized. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 11. I was dipping in and out of the world. I put on my Jesus shirt on Sunday. I took it off during the, day, during the weekday because I had friends. How many of you have friends? How many of you have friends who don't live for Jesus? I'm going to tell you that some of the most difficult things that we face may not be the screen, but it may be your friend circle. And we do everything that we can to be accepted and we impress them in every way. Keep up with the Joneses. Make sure that you do everything that you need to do to be accepted. Because deep down, we all just want to be accepted. And for me, it was like, man, I'd lose my Jesus. And I'd dip one toe in, one toe out. But when I was 21 years old, God started working on me. Started moving on me. And I said, I got to go all in. I got to make Jesus Lord. I went up to my pastor, the youth pastor, Daniel Stevens. I said, start discipling me. We met every week at Starbucks going through the purple book. Teaching me how to pray. How to journal. How, how, to, how to memorize scripture. How to minister. We met every week. He started pouring into me. And you know what happened to my friend's circle? Oh, they, well, I, didn't, I didn't disown them. I didn't unlove them. In fact, I loved them so much. I was praying for them all the time. And yet they disowned me. They were like, man, dude, you're too radical. We can't go there. I mean, you're a goody two-shoes now. You church every Sunday. Man, we're just not about that. And I went one way. My friends went another way. You see, when you're all in, you may lose something that you really enjoy, that you really enjoy, but to lay it down for the thing that will really fill you and give you true joy and satisfaction was so worth it. No regrets. I kept going. I kept praying for them. I kept going. I kept praying for them. Many of those guys, years later, serve the Lord now. God's done an incredible work, but there is difficulty that comes difficulty that comes in a marriage when you're married to your spouse and you went all in but your wife didn't or she went all in but the husband didn't it's difficult because you have so much pressure on you like man maybe I'll just lose a little bit of Jesus maybe I'll just conform maybe I'll compromise maybe I'll, maybe I'll do some course joking and maybe I'll talk about that person and gossip maybe I'll slander maybe I'll do malice maybe I'll just work for the man and just try to make our life happy maybe maybe you know I feel like we should give but I, we won't give we'll just spend it all on us and and you feel all this pressure because it's difficult to go all in it's difficult it's difficult and Jesus knew this it's difficult On all in life, what I love about this discourse and what Jesus is doing and what he's saying 
in this moment and all in life is difficult, but I'm going to give you a defender. It's difficult, but I'm going to leave because I'm going to send the paraclete. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come and he's going to help you in your difficult moments. Aren't you grateful that we serve a loving God, a father who's not going to leave us alone in our difficulty? He wouldn't leave us alone in our pain. You see, God is a good God. He's a God who loves you, who's for you. And when you hurt, he hurts. He's going to come in your situation, in your difficulty. And it says the paraclete is coming. Jesus often refers in this discourse, I'm sending a helper. I'm sending a guide. I'm sending the one who's going to lead you into all truth so that when you don't know what is right or wrong, the paraclete, the good one, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll lead you to right truth. And it's why I said earlier, if you're in Christ and you try to go your own way, you're not going to be left alone. Because you got somebody in you. The paraclete will convict you and remind you, hey, yo, why'd you talk to your wife like that? Yo, why are you, why are you compromising that way? Why are you cheating that way? I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit's not going to leave us alone, but he's going to see us through and he'll give us a way of escape in every moment of temptation. The Holy Spirit will lead you. He'll guide you. He'll comfort you. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. I must go because there is one who is coming. And he's going to move. And he's going to be your advocate. John 14, 16 says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper who will be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him and he dwells in you. That it's not just religion and it's not just going through the motions and it's not something that you just made up in your mind. So you can be hopeful about the answer to eternity or life after death. No, Jesus came to change you and transform you from the inside out. He's come to adopt you and move in you. And now the Holy Spirit is with you to guide you, to help you, to comfort you, to correct you to console you. One, one commentary uses this word console. It's interesting because as Jesus is talking about ending his life, just imagine your best friend about to leave and he gave you purpose and mission and vision for your life. He gave you direction. He gave you everything that you had ever hoped for, have ever wanted for. Since a little boy, you dreamed that the Messiah would come. And here he is. He has arrived. And he's here. And now he's talking about dying a martyr's death on a cross. He's going to give his life as a ransom for you. And in that moment, they're sad. There's sorrow. Great sorrow overwhelmed them in this moment. Sadness happened. But I'm sending a helper. I'm not going to leave you. Why does he tell them this? It's going to be somebody who consoles you. And the minute you have difficulty, sometimes when we overcome difficulty, it's not always full of joy right away. Sometimes in the process of overcoming difficulty is grief is pain. Am I the only one who knows that? Like I've experienced that in my life. 
over and over again. You overcome difficulty. There was these moments that I would just, I remember 21 years old. I'm sitting there, and there's moments of sorrow because I'm moving in God's purpose, but the difficulty is behind me. And there's this moment that the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to minister to you. This is what Jesus wants for you. An all in life is also one that will stay devoted. Everybody say devoted. An all in life is one that stays devoted. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll obey me. You'll do what I say. You know this. Those who have a great earthly dad and your dad gives you instruction. All you want to do is obey that instruction because you want to please him. Because you want, to, you want him to be proud of you. You want, to, you, want to, you want to give your earthly dad some glory in that moment. You want to give him some, some moment of, of honor and adoration. And dad, thank you for loving me. See, I did what you said for me to do. I want to tell you, some of you don't know what that's like. But we have a father in heaven who loves us who cherishes us, who is for us. And all we want to do is to obey him, to please him, to give him glory, to obey his commandment, to love others as you love yourself, to love him with everything that you have. An all-in life is a devoted life. As these painters are there and they're painting these paintings, year, two year, three years, They're in the crucifix, and they're carving this crucifix. It was this moment of devotion, of saying, I'm all in. I'm I'm reminiscing. I'm remembering who Jesus is, what he's done for me. What is your craft that you're giving God glory for? What is your craft that you're just saying, I'm devoted to you? For some of you, it's painting a picture. For some of you, it's, it's playing golf. You're out there, you're playing golf, and, and, and this probably isn't much of you, by the way, but some of you, it's, it's playing golf, and you're just out there thinking about God and the nature and the sunsets, and you're working on that craft, working on that game. For some of you, it's some other hobby. It's, I know we have people who like working on cars, and they'll actually fix up cars for, for widows and those who don't have cars, and they'll go and they'll work on them for the glory of God, and they're working on that craft, and It's reminding them that Jesus is at the center of their life, that Jesus is everything, that they're all in on this. For some of you, it's being a worship leader, a vocalist, and you're using that craft. But whatever you're in, do unto the glory of God. Amen. That's what God's called us to do. To work on that, to think about it, to be devoted, to be devoted in every situation. Aaron, come on up. To be devoted in every situation. What are we implementing in our life to be devoted? I know many businessmen. They run these businesses and in the marketplace. And they're doing all this. But there's certain businessmen who just have that Bible on their desk. And they're reading a proverb every day. And when they do... It's like painting a picture. They're reading a proverb every day, and when they do, it's like whittling a crucifix. They're thinking about Jesus, and then they're making that business call. 
and that business decision and that decision about their employee. I know many people who, who represent Christ in school. They, they go, and for them, it's, man, I'm wearing all my, my Jesus in Tacos t-shirt today because I just want to remember Jesus because I'm all in. And every time they go to the mirror, it's like them painting a picture, whittling a piece of artwork. It's, it's remembering and being reminded that I'm all in for Jesus. I'm going all in for him no matter what. You know, it's crazy because we, we're, we're known as the fajita church. Amen. Anybody like fajitas in here? I'm not talking about pollo. I'm talking about beef. Beef. And all my vegetarians just walked out. I'm so sorry. Something about beef fajita, man. I love beef fajita. You know, when you find a good marinated beef fajita, it tastes so good. You just eat it all up. But what I don't like is I don't like one of fajitas chewy. Can I, can I get an amen? It's like, why is it so chewy? It's chewy. It's hard to eat. It's hard to digest. It's hard to do this. You see, the thing about fajita, and every, every person who barbecues in here knows it, is it's so much easier to cut with the grain. Go in between the muscle fibers. Right? Just, oh, man, it's just so easy. That knife just slides right through there. But cutting against the grain is a little bit more difficult, isn't it? You kind of got to saw it sometimes. Depends how dull your knife is, you know. <laughs> we don't got those expensive knives, so we just like sitting there. It's a little difficult, but the thing is, if you cut against the grain, it's easier to chew. And it's easier to digest. An all-in life is a life devoted to Jesus, saying, man, it is difficult. There are some challenges. It's hard to wake up and read my word every day. It's hard to wear a Jesus shirt. It's hard to represent Christ in my car and in my marriage. It's hard to do that. But you do the difficult work first. You wake up. You devote yourself. Spend time in prayer. Spend time reading. What happens after a life of difficulty, of discipline? It starts to get in you. And then all of a sudden, it becomes chewable and digestible. I want to tell you, a lot of us are in this room where, where it's going all in for Jesus. Man, it seems so challenging. I don't know if I want to do that. It may be hard at first. It may be like going against the grain. But you go against the grain. Watch how you begin to chew. Watch how you begin to take this word inside of you and begin to have it live inside of you. It will come out in every situation. All of a sudden, you'll be talking to somebody and a word of wisdom by the paraclete, the counselor, the guide of truth will come out of you and you'll speak to a situation. You're like, where did that come from? You'll move in a place where you're, you're talking to your spouse and then you're just finding yourself quoting scripture. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. You're so lovely. You're so amazing. You're a woman of noble character. Who could be, who could find you? I, God, God brought me you. 
Words just start coming out of your mouth. You see, at first, it's difficult. Going all in, it's difficult. The decision to cross that line, saying, I'm going all in, is challenging. But when you realize there is somebody who's with you, a defender who's fighting for you, you realize that you can move in a place that's devoted to God. And out of your life will just be living water flowing out of you flowing into situations, giving wise advice, giving wise counsel. You see, church, we're called to be all in. We're called to move in this way. If you would stand with me as we begin to close this morning and get ready for communion. John 16 says this. And in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And this, this will give you peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace in your situation. If you need peace this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift up your hands. I need peace. I'm in a difficult situation. I'm overwhelmed. I feel so persecuted. I feel so attacked. Jesus says, I'm not leaving you alone. Holy Spirit's coming. He's breathing on your situation. He's breathing peace upon you. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Peace be with you. Father, I just pray for every hand that's raised. Lord, you know the difficulty. You know the situation. Father, right now, our hands are getting raised. They're saying we tired of going our way. We want to go your way. We're tired of carrying this burden. We give it to you and we want your burden. Your life. Jesus, thank you for your peace. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, touch everybody right now. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. We're going to prepare our hearts for communion this morning. We have some two tables up front with the elements, a cup with juice, the bread, which represents the body. And you'll simply, an usher will dismiss back row coming to the front row, and you'll dip the bread and the juice, and then you may take of the element, partake of the element. But I want to bless these elements. And before I do, I want to say this is coming to the table, it's not faith in the element to save you, but it's a moment to paint a picture. It's a moment to remember what Christ has done for you. Coming to the table is a moment where we come in faith, faith in Jesus of what he did and what he is doing for you today. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Bless this bread. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us. 
Thank you for your blood, for the forgiveness of sins. We remember you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come forward.